Hi everyone, I'm Leanne Mackey and I am an old crazy runner. Welcome everybody to another episode of Old Crazy Runners. I am Nicholas, the oldest of the crazies, and I've got my cousin Fundy, the craziest of the crazies. But right now, we're not really feeling like runners. Oh man, we got the vid. But you're going to want to stick around for Leanne Mackey, and she talks about how running has been her best friend through the years. It's been an interesting uh, several days as I reflect on uh, our condition here One relating to our guest and the idea that running is your best friend and really missing uh, wanting to get out there. You and I were were, were talking about being very cautious because uh, that sort of exercise in particular is pretty challenging coming after COVID and it's probably just in our best interest to tail it back for two, three weeks and let this get out of our systems. Which means that if you want to kick our ass on Strava, this is the month to do it. Just it get is in there and pile it. on the miles. You can probably run uh, double, triple, quadruple, quintuple the miles of Nicholas and I put together, even though we ran a marathon and half marathon. You very well could. And that was the second part of it was uh, the absence and the ease at which it can be to get that lack of habit and the importance of what we talk about, which is working through these moments, sticking with it, and getting back out there. And we will be back on Strava. We'll have some numbers up there soon. Uh, But if you haven't seen us for a while, it's because we're taking care of ourselves and trying to do the right thing because, you know, we're not dumbasses anymore. Well, I wouldn't go that far. We're not double dumbasses. (laughs) That's my rule to my kids. Don't be a double dumbass. Be sure to take a moment to rate and review the podcast on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. uh, And more importantly, share it with your stupid old crazy running friends that love to get out there and do the stupid things like all of us. You definitely want to share it with all of your crazy friends because anybody out there that's over the age of about 45 is going to run into the roadblocks and the hiccups and all the things that we run into. And there's just some great conversations about how to get past that. And if you want to make sure to join us in this journey, be sure to head on over to Strava, join the old crazy runners podcast Strava run club, because that is where you can not only see us other crazies, but then you can kick our asses in the run club this month. Getting our asses kicked once again by one of the goats, Gene Dykes. Gene Dykes posted a a photo and he's in this t-shirt, says the old geezer on it. And he has, looks like tape. I don't know, written with a magic marker in these different spots. He's just completed 149 uh, marathons or ultra marathons. And he's got his age, 74. And it's, it's the perfect old geezer shirt. He's got this, this shirt that he had printed up. And instead of getting a new shirt, he just tapes over it and writes it in with a marker every time he runs another race or gets older. I think uh, what stood out to me the most, though, was uh, Gina Little who yes. uh, finished the Chicago Marathon, her 602nd marathon at 77 years old to complete her Abbott's medal. Oldest woman to complete the Abbott's medal at 77 years old. And uh, was it, I thought it was 670 marathons. 
607? Uh, no, 607. 602nd. 602nd, yeah. She, she stated she probably will not make it to 700, but she might. Who knows? Even accounting, like, right as she got home from the hospital at, like, three days old, goes out and starts running marathons, she still has to do eight and a half every year to get 602 in 77 years. So I'm imagining she probably got a little later start than that, which means that she's doing nearly a marathon a month for decades to Why? get to 602. <laughs> Well, I just want to know why it took her so damn long to get those six just for the Abbots. You've done 602. <laughs> she didn't join the right ones. I guess not. She's probably Still, just running local ones, saving money. She, she may not get to 700. I am not going to get to 602. Not even close. Probably not going to happen. We could try. I'm. Oh, man. There's not even a try. In, in that comparison, that is just amazing. I'd love to sit down and get just even a sense as to what it took to get to 602. I mean, after talking with Gene, I mean, what did you say? He, he, his it's like 150. He's a slacker. He's not even, not 20, even trying. Yeah, he's barely 25% of the way there. You better catch up. He's only four years younger than she is. Man, those are insane numbers. Insane. She didn't get the vid. She did not, and I hope she doesn't because it's 77. I can't imagine it would be a whole lot of fun getting the vid. She'd be knocked out for like three weeks. I mean, damn it, there goes those three marathons. Today we are excited to bring you Leanne Mackey. So what I love about Leanne, she is just another runner out there putting in those miles, got hooked up with 261 Fearless, becoming a 261 Fearless coach. and. She just speaks to all of the things that we always talk about and how running is just always there for us. Talks about it during, you know, one of the hardest times of her life and how it got her through it and how it's just that thing that is always there for. And it's been a part of her life in different ways throughout her life. And she's had different influences that have helped mold the runner that she's become. It's a conversation not only about the value of running personally, but the value of having that community around you. It's a great conversation. You're going to love it. Let's get to it. Leanne, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's such an honor. So I want to kick off because um, it seems like you got into running for the same reason many people do is that they could uh, beat people and you, you got into running because you could beat the boys is what you said in the yeah, fifth grade. Yeah, very, very honorable uh, reason and discovery, self-discovery at, I think it was fifth grade and we were in the neighborhood and I don't know, I just wasn't like clicking with the kids in the neighborhood. And then we just decided to start racing each other. And then gosh, lo and behold, I was beating the girls and I was beating the boys and wow, did I feel pretty powerful. And I guess that was a very, uh, addictive drug at that, at that time. And, um, it was, it was an awesome uh, experience that I can reflect back on and just go, you know what? I was a kid. I did enjoy myself at times. <laughs> well, Nicholas can attest that on those uh, little 50-yard dashes in the neighborhood and, and at school, I was on the uh, lower end of the sprinting spectrum. <laughs> it, wasn't, it was not meant to be a sprinter, Fundy. <laughs> Fundy was not meant to be. So, and that's, that's 
what my curiosity is, is because, uh, you know, your start is similar to actually both of our starts. I mean, we're going to tease Fundy about not being a sprinter, but it's, it's not like I wasn't carrying a piano a lot of times as well. But it was always uh, some sort of short, fast, you know, baseball running to the bases. You know, I always said I was one of the fastest guys for 60 feet. But <laughs> it wasn't until we got well into our 40s that we actually transitioned to any sort of distance. So I'm kind of curious what were, I mean, did you now find yourself in more of a cross-country long distance early on, or were you also kind of a speed sprinter and that evolved down the road? You know, um, it's, it's an interesting question and I haven't had a lot of opportunity to really reflect back in terms of uh, my beginnings, in terms of uh, the sprinting and the running, but I, I really welcome the opportunity to think uh, out loud with you. Uh, it was kind of a, a self-discovery. I, I, I grew up in a very uh, white neighborhood. I was adopted when I was two from South Korea and I grew up in Minnesota. And uh, as I mentioned, I just hadn't found a way to click with the kids in the neighborhood. And, and I think that being able to do something like running and sprinting and racing allowed us all to kind of, you know, be ourselves, but yet be competitive and, and maybe show off a bit. And so at that time I decided, you know, I wanted to be in sports because I felt like I liked that community. I liked the competitive aspect and I, discovered, heck, I'm, I'm fast. And uh, growing up in the 80s, you just, I don't know if it was a different time or whatever, but you're not maybe necessarily thinking about, you know, who you are or what you want to be. It's a lot about, in the 80s, it's a lot about just fitting in. And, you know, I grew up in a very modest um, suburb in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so there was a lot of, um, at that time, parents worked full-time. I was the oldest of, uh, of uh, you know, four children, so there were a lot of responsibilities back, I think, in the 80s, the latchkey kids, etc. So I decided that, you know, one way for me to maybe get out of some of the responsibilities of home would, to be, were, would be then to maybe migrate towards uh, athletics. And so, you know, my parents really were not supportive in that regard because they needed me at home so to speak so I just you know did whatever I could to kind of get out of the house and participate and so I I started uh, track and field and volleyball and uh, I looked around and there's nobody that looks like me and I don't know this at the time because I don't have enough life perspective but there's nobody that really looks like me and you know, I just found it as a way for me to speak, you know, who I was in a very, I guess, physical way. I was never a superstar. I never worked as hard as I should have. Uh, however, it just helped create a, a pathway for myself and I think a mindset and a discipline that, you know, you put X into something, you can achieve something. And so I felt that Uh, sports, track and field, volleyball, uh, really helped to create an identity for me when at a time uh, I wasn't really sure what that was going to be or how that would look or how it would turn out. So, uh, you know, as I talk to you today, it's 
it's actually pretty cool to reflect back on and say, yeah, that was, that's kind of my origins, you know, in terms of my self identity. Yeah, that's really interesting. My, uh, my kids were born in Japan, my wife, Japanese, and we immigrated back when they were in the first and third grade. And we purposely chose a very multicultural area. Like it's crazy. The number of multicultural and they all still really struggled. So I can only imagine being in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah. As a, a, a young Asian kid and really struggling to, to find that self identity. That must've been uh, really rough at times. It really was. It, and, and because now I have the, the benefit of time and what I call a wide um, angle lens, I really see it as actually a very good thing for me. Uh, I, I really don't feel that uh, if you don't have some type of pain and suffering in your life, I think you're going to probably miss out on a lot of um, really amazing moments and um, just being grateful and just growth and seeing that. So, you know, wide angle lens of time, I look back at that uh, and say, yeah, that was there were some very painful moments. However, those painful moments really allowed me to uh, transform and grow and ultimately be proud of the person I am today. On a, a lighter side, I'd like <laughs> to move back to the, the, the eight, being a, a child of the 80s. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nicholas probably remembers this. So when I was in the third grade, age of nine, my job when I came home was to come home and start a fire <laughs> in the fireplace. Okay. To get right. the, the house all warmed up uh, with just me and my sister. So, you know, I was nine. She was, you know, three or whatever. <laughs> it's my job to start a fire. And I'm like, that's just borderline child abuse. Yeah, like, what bit. were they thinking? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a l- little bit of responsibility there. <laughs> so did you, just, did you have any of those uh, things that you were in charge of that you probably shouldn't been in charge of oh my at goodness. your age? You know, I... You know, if my family listens to this, they're going to think that, you know, I walked uphill and downhill in snow and sleet every single day of my life. And however, uh, to answer your question, uh, there were responsibilities. And, you know, at a very young age, uh, we were separated by two years. So it was, you know, I'm six, then there's a four, then there's a two, and then there's a zero. And uh, my, both of my parents worked very hard, very, very, I would say, lower class, lower middle class. And uh, so, yeah, the responsibilities were I'm, I'm making food and I'm cleaning and I'm changing diapers and, you know, I'm babysitting. And, uh, you know, so in, in some ways, and I say this, you know, with a smile, is, you know, I was perfect perfect help for the family <laughs> and I you know uh, in, in return I got uh, you know fed and I got a roof over my head and a bed so I guess it's all it's all good <laughs> yeah yeah I'm not sure you signed up for that contract willingly beforehand by the way the and no I don't think there was any food, negotiation food shelter and <laughs> substance uh, interesting you know obviously child of the 80s as well but being the youngest of the group uh, and having the older sibling, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I, I came home and did nothing. Yeah. S- sat around and watched my sister do everything. Uh, <laughs> You're the golden child. <laughs> I also want to point out that uh, funny story of having to come home and, and start a fire is probably the least problematic thing his dad ever asked him to do. <laughs> did you compete, compete uh, like 
on teams beyond high school or were you more like us that once you got into college, you just kind of, you know, intramural stuff like that? Or did you actually continue on and, and play beyond the high school level? Uh, I continued in college uh, to be on the volleyball team or attempted to be on the volleyball team and uh, and track and field. However, it lasted maybe less than a year. Uh, I It just was not, I wasn't at the level that, you know, I, I was surrounded by, you know, wonderful athletes that were way more disciplined and talented than myself. And I was definitely at a point where I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I was working to pay for college. So it was like, okay, I, I've got to focus on the academics here because I'm not really strong in the athletics in terms of teams. And I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like I could contribute. And so I just really had to just back off of the uh, college um, athletics. However, I did always participate in like intramural or bar league or or whatever whenever I could and then I was always very active in the gym and um, you know just running on my own but just from a collegiate standpoint it kind of ended that first year (laughs) it kind of just fizzled (laughs) when did I mean did you run Distances in high school, were you doing anything longer than 10Ks? Uh, or, or how did you actually get to the point where you're running marathon? Where I'm today? Okay. Yeah. Uh, in, and again, thank you for asking the, this, this question. And it's really super fun for me to, to reflect and, and think about. So I was a sprinter. Uh, and I did 100, 200, long jump, high jump. I even threw the discus, and I really probably had no business doing that either. But I was just like, you know, just give me a job, and I'll try to do it. And I was I was fast. But, you know, you're only as good as, you know, your genetics and then your training. And so I was good, and I fast, and I could, you know, whatever. However, it wasn't not ever going to be uh, something that I could be, like, competitive in or get medals or you know, anything like that, recognition. So what happened is that kind of transitioned me into um, what can I do to stay fit? And I'm a very kind of, uh, I don't want to say hyper person, but I do need to be moving. I'm standing right now. I don't like to sit. Uh, and I and I was in a very uh, intense academic program in college so it was I was sitting a lot and so I just started picking up running and the other thing about it is I I I was acutely aware that I'm in my head a lot and so perfect in my head a lot need to stay fit need to move let's just go ahead and start um, jogging and I just over time and it is so I, I think I started in high school because I, I was, I was trying to manage a lot of things in high school, work and family, my family life, and then school and getting into college. So I, I, I do believe that I, I started jogging, you know, a couple miles, three miles, whatever, on a regular basis in high school, and then it just kind of evolved over uh, throughout my college career, and before I knew it, I was just. I needed to take a long run almost every single day just to get through 
what I was, I think, dealing with and coping with. And, and I think it really just um, married well with my personality and my need to be in my head and to think. And so it just became like a, a, a constant in my life and a, a friend, a therapist. Uh, there was no right or wrong and nobody was watching me. I could just go out into the world, be in my head, beautiful surroundings or not, and just get away. And it's it was just for me, uh, I don't know, it's just a, 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 like a cure, a medicine, uh, self-medication, whatever. But I just, and then in the 90s, again, didn't have the awareness of what a physical life could have, you know, in terms of the benefits in the mind and the body. I just was doing it because I could do it and it was accessible and I could do it at all times of the day. I could do it in the middle of the night if I wanted. So it just became something that I went to for, I guess, relief, relief of the challenges of, of living. So would it be fair to say that you've stayed consistent all the way through college? Yes. From college all the way through now? Mm-hmm. So you didn't do the uh, 20 years off of exercise like I did? No, no. Uh, Not recommended? Well, you know, everyone has their journey. Everyone has their marathon, if you will, that they have to compete in in life. And fortunately for me, you know, I there aren't a lot of things that I could say have stayed true to me. And, and, and it's a good thing. There are not a lot of things that have stayed constant in my life, but running has certainly stayed in my life as a way of life, um, a, a perspective, a mentality. Uh, it's, you know, I want to keep running until I'm dead, that type of thing. So, and it'll evolve and change, but I'm so grateful that I can do it. And so, however, I don't judge anybody, you know, I, I'm, I just want to encourage people to move, move your mind move your body and, and good things will follow. Well, we are certainly advocates of both of those. And I definitely recognize the value of just uh, having that goal for one, whatever that goal is, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, a race or a time. Although for me, that's always going to be the case. It just might be, uh, I want to get out and move every day. Mm-hmm. It, that's, it, it, it simple and easy can be part of this planet. You don't have to kill yourself for it. Mm-hmm. To, to recognize the benefits across the board. That's right. Uh, but that's not the three of us on this conversation. So what I want to get <laughs> back into is how did, you know, you run marathons now. When did you find yourself actually getting into races for whatever reason? Your, fi- your first 5K beyond being on a team, like signing up for, you know, the bridge to bruise or whatever we would do out here that's kind of silly. Um, you know, I, th- I think it started in college and, you know, I, I will say that I'm a competitive individual. Um, however, I, I was talking to my boyfriend this morning and he's, he's got the attack and killer instinct when he does races. And I just, I sat back and I, I thought about it and I just, I just never had, I think, I think it's because I'm. I think the only competition is myself, you know, am I going to get up today and am I going to go do whatever I need to do? And 
that to me, if I do that, make that decision, that's a win. And so, yeah, I want to challenge myself. I want to push myself. But I think it was never the intent when I, I entered races. I think it was just this idea. It's really, it's kind of like mysterious to me in a way is that you're alone, but you're with a bunch of people that have like same energies and spirits and aspirations. So it's very supportive and you can be as engaged or not and you can fit in, but you don't have to be. And it's like, you're an individual, but yet you're in these races with some really cool, inspirational ind individuals. And so I think that was a little bit um, enticing for me, is that I wanted to be involved, but then not maybe, and then, but I could also just, you know, be in my head and just observe and see. And, and then of course, you know, see if I can do certain time time you know can i achieve can i can i get through this thing can i can i do this race and just see what kind of things result and so it's like i've always kind of approached everything i do as kind of like an experiment and um pass or fail you know you know prove the hypothesis hypothesis not but you know, so every race that I entered, and I started in college, but it was never really with the intent to like, never the intent to get time qualified to to be able to do a Boston Marathon. I, I never had that in my mind, ever. My entire career, I've never had that until this last year. So I just think that's really cool as I think about that. Yeah, I... I didn't have that attack killer mentality. Like, I, I want to kill it. I just want to survive it. I want to see what I can do, get through it, see if I can meet some certain goals, meet some people, and um, just go through it. And I, I've just loved that. And that has been, I think, maybe a little bit of a, a signature in terms of who I am and how I, I uh, try to live life. Just experiment, <laughs> try things with maybe not so many high expectations so that um, I'm not disappointed. So you mentioned uh, Boston qualifying until this last year. Can you mm -hmm. expand upon that? Well, you know, I just want to um, just share a couple things. Uh, one is that, you know, at this point in my life, where I have this really nice wide angle lens to see the world and perspective that I never had before. It's better, it's bigger today than it was yesterday. Um, you know, I've come a long way, like a lot of, like all of us, you know, we have our unique stories, our unique challenges, the things that have created us. And I'll go ahead and t share with you that, uh, the last four years of my life, I'm 51. The last four years has been the largest transformation of my entire life. And I would say that it has um, made me, if I'm, if I'm, you know, a good person and a decent person and have some purpose and impact, it has been the thing that has uh, created this, this person here standing today. So just to just give you a really quick Reader's Digest is that I, my partner of 15 years, in 2019 was diagnosed with glioblastoma and he passed away uh, 18 months later uh, in 2021 and we were going through COVID 
And so my whole world um, just got upended, you know, four years ago, just completely uh, just blew up. And, um, and you never know what you're going to, how you're going to react to something like that, because it's not something you can really ever perceive or anticipate unless you've gone through it. And I had never gone through anything like that. So as my world is just exploding and imploding and, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dealing. Um, I went into this cocoon and I just became a bubble and I became afraid of everything, like everything. Cause COVID was on top of that layering into that, yeah. you know, we weren't supposed to get germs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And my whole world was evolving. So I just went into a bubble. I just, I stopped uh, all social media. I stopped reading. I stopped, I stopped running. I just stayed in the house. I didn't move uh, other than just supporting my partner. And um, went into a really bad depression. And and so someone that needs to move and then just starts, you know, being locked into the house with their dying partner, you just become like a caged animal and you're just, you know, you're just... um, self-destructing individual and then you're hiding you're hiding and you don't want anybody to know what's going on and you're not the person that you want to be etc etc so my point is that really terrible time in my life I got away from the things that I love my person that I loved died and then I had to clean that part of my life up and then I had to deal with myself And I did not think at the time that I was going to be able to do it. I just didn't want to do it. I had already created this safe little bubble. Um, I liked my bottle of wine every night. And that was good enough. And if I just disappeared, that was going to be fine. Because I had a good enough life already. Um, However, life doesn't work like that. And so you you know, you can only do that for so long and then something changes or, you know, and I guess I had enough of a spark or something. And there were enough people in my life that kind of gave a shit about me, I guess. Um, When you don't think people give a shit about you, it's like, it's such an awakening when you find out they actually do. And it's like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. So anyway, slowly but surely, I just started um, reconnecting with people, loved ones, friends, and oh my gosh, you know, and I don't, don't want this to sound like whatever, like romantic and crazy, like fairy tale, but I had to work hard. I, I had to see therapist and gradually, and I think this is what it is. It's gradually like training for a run, training for a marathon. Gradually, I started practice living again. Gradually, I started practicing the steps to living a life that might be enjoyable. I didn't know. I was kind of just like experimenting. Like my friend invited me to, to, to drive to Scottsdale, Arizona, which is, you know, five, six hours away. I had never driven by myself, you know, across, you know, a state by myself. I had never done those things. I was fearful. In fact, that night when I decided that I was going to do it, I wrote out my will and testament. And I'm like, this is what I want because I didn't think I was going to survive that that uh, car drive to Scottsdale, Arizona. 
But I made it. We had an awesome time. And it was like slowly those types of activities that started, you know, making me see that maybe life is going to be okay. And it just started being more and more empowering. And then before you know it, I meet someone who just absolutely introduced the life that I absolutely wanted. I wanted something with vibrancy, with hope, optimism, spontaneity. I didn't know these things, but over time, and so he has run, my, 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 my boyfriend, he has run marathons. Like, he is uber fast. He's got that killer attack mentality. And so he was qualified to run the Boston Marathon uh, this past April. And obviously me never having any aspirations to get a qualifying time for any marathon. I was like, hmm, because I was starting to get into running and, and, and hmm. And so then uh, he told me about the opportunities that I might be able to run through charity teams. And so I researched and I found 261 Fearless as a uh, one of the charities and it just absolutely resonated with me it just like the mission of um, what it aspires to do for women and where I had come from it was just like the perfect marriage and so I I applied immediately to be on that team and I think it was one of the happiest days of my life, you know, my recent life, when I got accepted to be a part of that team. And then it was like, oh, shit, now I'm actually going to have to raise money and I'm actually going to have to run this thing. You know, lots of eyeballs on me now. However, that's what I needed. And um, anyway, I had the opportunity to fundraise and really learn the mission of 261 Fearless. And uh, I got to go to Boston and I got to run the marathon. I got to, you know, hang out with. 261 Fearless Leaders. I, I got my picture taken with awesome Catherine Switzer, by the way. That last interview with her just gave me the goosebumps. And um, I got to hang out and spend time with Edith Zishman. She's amazing. And that just kind of launched me to today where I am now training to be a 261 Fearless coach. I want to set something up here in uh, California. And I really want to use uh, their mission and their vision to hopefully transform and improve uh, the lives and the community here and, and where I live. And, and I, I feel like I can walk the talk and I feel that I want to live that mission and that's kind of where I'm at in, in terms of my life now. It's like I got so many gifts in a very, very tumultuous, very, very difficult time in my life. I got so many gifts and, you know, I love the Picasso quote that says, you know, when you find your gift, your job is to really give it away. And so that's kind of where I am right now. I want to give the gifts that I've been given and I want to give them away in the most generous and supportive way possible. And I know I'm a little like rah, rah, <laughs> but, you know, I just really believe in um, in using people's you know, the, 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 the darkest times, if we can help turn some of the darkest times around for people, like people have done for me, and, and, and kind of reshape it, reframe it, so that they can transform and they can do more good, that to me is like, I know then I've lived a really good life. And I want to do this now for the, the rest of my life, God willing.
was this your first marathon, the Boston, or had you ran a marathon? Did you know you were you were marathon ready? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, when you have a boyfriend who can do, you know, what is it? I don't know, 3.30, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I knew I was not going to be that ready. Uh, I had run another marathon in uh, Orange County uh, probably about 20 years ago, and it was in uh, Rancho Santa Margarita. And uh, it was through my running club at the time. I was in a running club. And so there was just no pressure. And I think I was the only female. And I think I got the female <laughs> with the first place finish. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Uh, you know, I knew I could finish it. And uh, I, I'd been given great training uh, from my boyfriend. And then just having knowing kind of what my strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, you know, I didn't have any fear. I mean, I think... I have gone through the scariest things that you can go through. And so I hate to say it, um, marathon prep and marathon running is, is really pretty easy. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I, nothing, I think, I'm not a really afraid of anything anymore because I've kind of gone through the scariest things of life and I've overcome them and I have come out a stronger individual. So that just gives me a real example that you can get through things. You have to have the proper support or the pro proper whatever, nutrition in your life, nutrition being the people or the places or whatever. I just, I feel like with the proper support, we can get through uh, the most difficult challenges. And, and the marathon... Um, to me just represents just a lot of just overcoming, you know, the things that it takes to be able to run the distance, the time that's needed to practice, the learning. It just represents life. And uh, if I can do marathons, if I can do the six major marathons in the next five years, that'll just be a really great metaphor to... Um, living life to the fullest for me. I uh, wanted to qualify that, and, I, and I'm really intrigued that you'd, you'd ran one prior, but it had been so far that you've probably, you know, you'd lost comparative points of what it means to run. Because for me, crossing that threshold and, and becoming a marathoner was one thing. And it was, you know, euphoric and I, I'm with you. I mean, there's so much about what it means to, to train and run a marathon that, that is really speaking to life itself. And the follow-up to that is running the next one and getting through the process of recognizing, you know, what it's going to take. You're so naive that first time. And the second time you're like, okay, I've done this before. Now I know 20 milers come this, that, and the other thing. And then I just finished my fourth one that, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've got to just encourage you because each one you learn more about yourself mm -hmm. as a person and as a marathoner, and each time you learn that, you get to apply that to the next one. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to hear how you 
transition through some of these different races because you know Berlin's a lot easier than Boston and Tokyo is pretty flat. Chicago can get pretty hot. I mean, every one of them can bring in their their different tweaks, and yet each one represents a point where you've got to psychologically go in there and you got to face that competition, which is yourself mm-hmm. and the course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think being able to put that in terms where other people can begin to embrace it is a wonderful thing. So Mm -hmm. uh, I really hope that you continue to get this off the ground and bring more people in your fold. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's just such a privilege to be able to do it. And, uh, you know, to your point, I, uh, I want to get better, whatever that means. I'm not going to put pressure on myself in terms of time. I have stretch goals. You know, when I ran uh, the Boston, I wanted to do 355, and I came up short that day. You know, I, I didn't, I, 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 I think I ran it in a 406 or 409. I can't remember. Um, and so there's room to, to grow, like in every part of life. And so I'm running, my next marathon is in December 4th. I'm going to be running the California International Marathon, which is very, very flat, I think net downhill. And it's, there's a lot of people that come from that marathon that can qualify for other marathons. So we'll see, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be balanced and I'm trying to not be obsessed, uh, not too extreme. I, I did have an injury for two months. Uh, over the summer that I could not run and it was devastating that first couple weeks however I think again when I look back with the wide angle lens it was actually a really good time for me because I could focus on some other areas uh, other muscles if you will other exercising and uh, just other opportunities and uh, when I came back after two months I felt that my running was stronger and I had a re- renewed sense of focus and so you know like in life when you have setbacks a lot of how you uh, respond it can really make a difference in the recovery or just how you get through it and so I really try to learn um, from the things that are painful or difficult and really assess uh, is there a way that I might be able to do this better or learn from and and so I just try to keep you know getting better and so we'll see what happens this uh, December my hope is that I'll get a qualifying time for Boston I'm not sure which um, international or major marathon I'll be able to run in next year but my hope is that I'll be able to run uh, in one of the majors next year one or two if you know one or two <laughs> So I have a couple uh, quick fire comments and questions. Uh-huh. First, um, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I don't really like your boyfriend if he's doing a 330. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. He's a not a fan of him if he's, <laughs> if he's doing 330. So, you know, whatever. Uh, and then the uh, the December, um, that's a California International? Yes. Marathon? Because that's a December. That's a good time. So I... Not a fan of uh, the, you know, we just had the Portland Marathon, which I trained for last year but couldn't do, which is like the 1st of October, Uh and it just really completely screws over your summer. Really? 
Yeah, but so the December you're doing, you'd be doing your heavy runs in October, November. Mm-hmm. I could, I could do that, uh, and then. Uh, and do you, you know, ever do I have the to, Huntington I have Beach? to apologize because I think my boyfriend is going to kill me. I don't think it's three thirty. It might be two, two something, two forty five. I don't, because I, I don't even know the. Well, you're just making it worse now. No, I just, I, I think I'm going to get in so much trouble if I got the times wrong because he's, he is. I mean, I don't know what is the qualifying time for people in their 50s. I'm just going to uh, throw it out there that 3.30 seems pretty slow for he's slow, qualifying yeah. So BQ. he's, he's yeah. really fat. Yeah, he's, so I think it's it's actually in the two hours something. So anyway, because he's going to listen to this and then it's going to be like, what are you talking <laughs> right. Well, I hope we get you in trouble. <laughs> and then last one, do you ever do the Huntington Beach, the Surf City? I have done the half marathon, and uh, this weekend, uh, my boyfriend's doing the Long Beach half. I'm going to try to get in. We're going to go this afternoon to the expo to pick up his packet, and I'm going to try to sign up to do the half marathon this weekend, the Long Beach half marathon. Uh, If not, I'll run the 5K and support him. (laughs) All right. Well, I have have signed up with a buddy to do the uh, Surf City half this coming February. So nice. you want to jump in? Make be great sure to, run to with reach you. out to me because I'd love yeah. to meet you in yeah. person. Be a lot and, of fun. and I don't know how much time you've spent in Huntington Beach, but that's my, this is my hood. Oh, nice. Well, uh, that's good. I like flying down there in the winter because Oregon is rainy and cold and miserable. And then uh, fly down to the sunshine in February and run, which is always nice. Is that the same one you ran last year, Fundy? Yeah, that's the one I did last year. Uh, awesome that's so great yeah so so that's a lot of so i'd like to back up and i mean just thank you for sharing such a personal story around um everything and getting back into running and uh i'd i'd love to hear more because i think you've touched on something that you know nicholas and i really believe and a lot of our friends believe is that that process of marathon training and then running that marathon is such a great metaphor for life. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that. Well, the reality is uh, it's hard, you know. Marathon running, running, running distance is difficult. Let's, let's just call a spade a spade. It is not easy. That's why, you know, we have a lot of, you know, unhealthy people in this world because it's just not easy. I mean, I I like to tell people that, you know, running really wasn't something that we were, you know, meant to do. I think we did it because we had to, to survive and, you know, run from the polar bears that wanted to eat us. So I don't think it's supposed to, I think, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, I think it wasn't like something that we just wanted to go do. So it takes time to develop um, the, one, you have to have the desire for some reason. And then just two, the desire to just get over that hump of it's not comfortable. You know, wherever you are uh, physically, it's just not comfortable. You can be super lean and super athletic and uh, you hate to jog or you hate to walk or run. And so you got to start somewhere and you got you to gotta have some type of thing that makes you want to just try it. I think the key is if you can get people to try it in a way that's non-judgmental, and non, um, you know, I, I'd say low expectations, you know, very supportive. And you don't 
overwhelm them with all the the things that you can get overwhelmed with when you're a runner you know at our level we can get so overwhelmed and so OCD and so like we got to have the best shoes the best you know it's like it's too much so beginning is is I think the most difficult part uh, like in life is you're you're met with a challenge and then you know how are you meeting that challenge and then what you know, what's, what's your motivation? What's your goal? Why are you doing it? I mean, there's always, I think you have to ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? And for, you know, running and training, um, for a marathon, I just like, I, I really believe it's, it's like practicing life. And, um, some days you're going to be good at it. And sometimes you're going to just really suck and it's going to be a grind. Uh, you know, some days you're going to have to find things that are going to help pull you through, um, because days are tough, running is tough, you know, the, the discipline that's needed. These are all like skills, life skills, adaptation, you know, human adaptations that we have to practice to get better at. And I think for me, what works well for me is that, you know, identifying myself as a survivor and thriver I can take some of the pressure off of myself saying, you know what, I've already won a little bit because I've survived and I'm thriving now in my life and in my running, quite frankly. And I get to run and I get to live and I get to walk, you know, on my feet with my legs. I don't have bad joints yet or anything. So I get to do these things. I get to live in, you know, beautiful Southern California. So it's the get to mentality that I think um, if we can approach uh, the things that we do, if we choose to run and, and, and we want to be healthy, uh, you know, it's the get-to mentality and it's just trying your best one step at a time and not putting too much pressure on yourself, not comparing yourself to others, not judging yourself too harshly, but just keep trying and just keep putting that foot in front of the other. And before you know it, like I said, good things happen with movement. Good things happen when you're using your brain. Good things happen when you surround yourself uh, with beautiful environment or people. So, you know, I think marathon training or running in general and just that discipline, it's a gift to be able to do it. And then I think it just makes you just be able to appreciate, I think, everything that we all go through in terms of like our human existence and our human experience. It's like it is just moving across time and space. We're moving energy, we're moving particles, we're causing action, we're reacting to people, places, things. It's it's just so powerful. I mean the 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 analogy or the metaphor for life in running is just so enormous. And I would love to create a catalog to just be able to list out or identify all the connections, I guess, of running and the running discipline and the, and the mindset and just life and surviving life, getting through life, having an amazing life, just kind of putting that all together in one huge, you know, encyclopedia, I think would be really cool, you know. And I think you guys are doing that through your podcast as you are collecting amazing stories of running and perseverance and challenges and inspiration and change. And it's just like you're collecting that 
And um, I think that's awesome. And I'm so like excited to be here today. And thank you, you know, for letting me share a little bit about my running and, and my life. And it's I hope it adds add something to the the repository that you're creating here. Well, well thank you for that. And I, I, I'd like to focus in on a, a comment that you made and then wrap it back up to that, that last point, which is you know, how many people think they're going to step into running with a group and be judged and, and have ex- expectations. And, and we say it all the time. I mean, you're your own runner. We just want you to come out and join us, do what you can do. And then, you know, for us, go, go have a beer afterwards. Yes. And, you know, it's important to look at that because we are always going to be our own worst enemy. And it's whether, no matter how you look at it, and no matter how much you train and how much experience you have, every single one of us goes into these every single time with self-doubts that we have to overcome. And that is really the emphasis of wanting to bring people into this fold is because if you want to know how you can get past something, join us. And your something is not my something. Mm-hmm. And what it means to get past it isn't what it means to me. And I don't care mm-hmm. that you will find out so much more about yourself and please come out and just have a good time. And, and you know, if you're like us, we'll have a beer afterwards. And then Absolutely. we're going to look through the numbers and we're going to poke fun and we're going to bring it all to whatever it is. But yes. uh, ultimately, this is just about making sure people understand that, like you say, we are all in motion and life is motion. Mm-hmm. And if you want to keep that going, then you got to keep it going. Yes, I mean, these sound, I feel like I need to put on my Yogi Berra jersey at this point, but it's true. Yes. And so, you know, everything that we do is just about making sure people understand that this is not a a judgmental community. This is about wanting to expose everyone to what is really an awesome thing for each of us. And you embrace it in your own way. Absolutely. It's it's a gift and it's a mindset. And I think it is probably one of the keys to, I think, contentment in life and uh and no judgment it's whatever whatever you want to make of it it just celebrate it practice it you get to be surrounded by you know hopefully wonderful individuals with like minds that are only going to help bring you up so i had uh this last half marathon on this weekend i had something happen that kind of related to what you talked about when you're out there with everybody i uh wasn't able to train as hard as I wanted to going into this half marathon, but I, I did all of the runs. Like I, I, you know, I followed the plan. I did the runs, I put in the miles, but they were all a struggle, right? I was not, did not go in, uh, with much, uh, hope and ambition. But then when I lined up on the day in the morning, I, I purposely lined up with people that were faster than me. Like I, I, you know, I lined up with the 140 to 150 uh, crowd. And I just took off with them. And just that energy of everybody running together, um, you know, everybody was, I don't know, there was just this buzz and everybody was talking, everybody was pulling everybody along. And I was able to just have a great run just because I was with those same people that were committed to having a great run. That's awesome. That is so awesome. That That's, that's the group, right? That's the group energy and that's the emotion and the particles and energy and inertia it's all 
you know, helpful in, in carrying you forward. And sometimes it's afraid, you know, sometimes it's frightening to put yourself in that situation because you feel like maybe you're not good enough or, you know, someone's going to think that you're some type of imposter or, you know, you don't belong there. And that's all in your own head. Nobody ever is thinking that. It's just in your own head. So I think that is an awesome strategy um, in terms of when you're not maybe feeling the best in, in that situation is to put yourself with people that can help help bring you along, help carry you and push you and inspire you. I think that's awesome, awesome advice. You have uh, your uh, marathons coming up in December, correct? December 4th. And you have specific goals. Have you set that out? Since you, you, you said you weren't quite, uh, you didn't quite get to what you wanted to in Boston. Have you reset that and recalibrated? Or are you just going in and, and going to knock another one off and enjoy it? I'm going to knock it off and enjoy it, but it would be awesome. It would be so awesome if I could do it under four hours, you know, somewhere between 355 you know, four hours. I, I would like to be under four hours. That's the goal. Well, that is our goal currently. We are both struggling to get get underneath that. Fundy came the closest. He's, what, 53 seconds away? Yeah, four nice. hours and 53 seconds. Which I nice. think is actually worse than the fact that I come up way too short each time. I was on track this year and then uh, caught COVID, so didn't. Yeah, pro tip, don't run a marathon with COVID. No, or expect to hit that. your time goal. No, don't do that. You know, it's uh, you know, it's it's again, just be kind to yourself and know that you have another opportunity to do it again, to try it again, and you did it, and that in and of itself is a massive achievement, and you get you get a you get a you get an award for that. So I mean, just don't be too hard on yourself. You have another opportunity to to get under four. You just well, said he doesn't the magic have to worry word. about being hard on himself. He's got me. That's right. That's what your friends are for. <laughs> Family are for. <laughs> you also said you get an award, which the medal is is one of the greatest things in the world out there. Uh, not the the one we got is actually pretty great, but just getting the medal when you finish. Medal, I don't yeah. care how yeah. small the trinket is. But I say that because have you seen the Abbott's medal? Yes. The, the six. It is spectacular. Yeah, it's it's definitely in my vision board and. Uh, I would love to be able to earn that. Well, I am putting uh, Tokyo 2024 on my uh, vision board. So if, if you're going to do Tokyo, you can opt for that year. Because uh, it's, it's going to be difficult. There. I can get us into a lot of trouble in Tokyo. It's going to be yes, difficult to get into that one, right? Because, I mean, it's just such close borders. Uh, no, they open back up now. They They're are. all open. Okay. Um, and uh, they prioritize uh, people from America or, or Europe. They like to have uh, Americans in Europe in the in the Tokyo Marathon. Okay. So, and didn't you say I your wife is Japanese? Easy to get in. What was that? Didn't you say your wife is Japanese? Yeah. So does she does she have family there as well still or? Uh, in Japan, we're she's uh, we we live down in the boonies, not in Tokyo, but we have we have some friends in Tokyo. So you and, probably have some even more connections and, and ability to be able to make that happen for yourself. Well, I hope so. I mean, when you, I mean, you just apply to the lottery and hope you get in, but uh, okay. if I can get in, but it's flat, which is great. Tokyo is a flat, flat city. So <laughs> okay. that would be I've awesome. I've never been, there. so I can't wait. <laughs> I'm saying I can't wait because I know it's going to happen. 
Yeah. You know, I know that these 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 uh, major marathons are going to happen for me one way or another. They're going to happen. Yeah. And Japan is a running country, man. The fans show up for that one. I love it. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I'm going to be rooting you on and I'm a huge supporter of you. You're just amazing. I love your social media and uh, you're just very inspiring. So I'm rooting, rooting for you. Well, hopefully we can make it. Yes, you will. Transitioning a little lighter topic here. I uh, love to understand a little bit more about some of your running preferences, like uh, what shoes do you like? Uh, are you a gearhead? Do you like to run just stripped down, just your your outfit, no tech? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is so fun because you know women are the predominant spenders in terms of running gear. I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, we spend like 85% of the... Um, the running budget, I guess, on apparel and shoes, which I'm, I'm, I'm probably contributing a good percentage. I, you know, I screwed myself up this year. Uh, and that's why I had the, 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 I had to take two months off is because I was getting way too whatever. And so I, I started just running with all these different shoes. Like I just started buying all these different shoes and I screwed myself up. So, uh, I, I'm going back to the basics. Um, I'm back into Hoka, and I'm not sure where you you guys you know your opinion is on Hoka. And I know this isn't a commercial for Hoka. It's just that I'm back in Hoka, uh, and I, I think I'm doing better back in Hoka. I was I think I was getting a little too fancy pants. I was doing the Brooks Hyper Ion, the Saucony the Endorphin, and you know, I was I was doing all these different fancy shoes um, right around Boston and after Boston, and I just I just really messed up my foot, and so now I'm just back to the basics. Uh, I kind of live in shorts and sports bra and t-shirt, uh, so that's kind of what you're getting today. Uh, I think with COVID, you know, we got all casual and then just my lifestyle. So I'm just the most comfortable because quite honestly, you just never know when you're going to have a great opportunity to go running. So, you know, why not just be prepared? Right. So I just, I just, I basically just wear tennis shoes. Uh, I, I, I spend money on socks. Like I think socks are really important, but I'm, I've gotten kind of away from the, you know, matchy, matchy shirt and shorts and sports bra and all that. It's like whatever, whatever's the on top of the pile is what comes out. And um, but I spend money on socks. I spend money on shoes. I don't wear a hat. I'm not sure why I should probably. I just don't like anything on my head. Um, was there anything else to your question? What about watch? Are you like Garmin or Apple Watch or? Yeah, this is my Garmin. only Garmin. piece of jewelry. Garmin. Only oh, piece of jewelry here. Well, I guess Garmin's I'm wearing a necklace too. But yeah, yeah I, I, I just only wear a Garmin. I, now, I, are I'm, you, I like, yeah, I'm religious with my Garmin. Do you, do you pay attention to your metrics during the run? Or are you more like, I, I just want to feel my run. And then afterwards, I'll digest everything that comes with it. You know, I'm evolving. Uh my running and prior to 
meeting my boyfriend. I never had really a strategy for running. And so he's really introduced the idea of strategizing, you know, your races and your running and just this running, uh, this running program, training program. So he's made it much more scientific and more disciplined. Uh, so that's been helpful. So I, I ran the Carlsbad half marathon at the beginning of this year, and I really was uh, paying attention to those numbers. And so, you know, to to uh, fund a year, what you did was you went into a, a maybe a little bit faster group to to just help. I did the same, and I found I found very positive results from that. Also, by just because I was looking at my numbers, so I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to fall below this per minute, you know, mile. And so I. I came close to a PR. I think I was like around 151 for a half for the Carlsbad, which is very flat. I don't know if you've ever run the Carlsbad, um, but that's a but that's a really great one, and that's in January. So I did that because I was paying attention to the metrics, and so it's evolving for me, and I like that. I'm liking that um, in like in life, you know. Just again to tie it back is, you can just keep challenging yourself, and you can keep raising the bar at any point along the way. You know, your life could be perfect, but if you decide you want to veer off and do something else and challenge yourself, you can do it. And just like with running or training for a marathon, I mean, there's a lot of room here for me to improve. So, I mean, so why not try these different things? And so that's what I'm going to try to do with this next uh, marathon. Because what happened is with the Boston, I kind of fell off of some of that, I think, good... uh, thinking in terms of strategy and and I think because of just various things that happen in one's whatever you know your hormones or whatever's different you know sometimes you just lose focus and so with the Boston I lost some of that focus and um, I just I let the course and my whatever kind of take over and therefore I didn't have so much control in, in looking at my numbers how much I was pushing myself or not pushing myself and so now kind of looking at those two experiences, these two races that I did this year, the Carlsbad half and then Boston, I'm going to try to use some of the things that I learned from those two races to see if I can, you know, challenge myself and get under four for this upcoming uh, California International Marathon in December. So I, I totally, I, I, I really believe like in life, you gotta, you gotta study and you gotta practice and you gotta keep you know, trying to um, raise the bar for yourself. That I think that just improves the quality of everything. Yeah, I ran and trained uh, this year with a friend who ran for the first time, Scotty G. Also finished about four hours, five minutes uh, for his first one, which uh, really, really crushed it. And oh my shit, what the fuck was I going with that? <laughs> totally <laughs> lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> It happens. Um, yeah, whatever. You know, oh, uh, you know, just pushing yourself. And, you know, we've talked with people who almost deliberately try and finish last. And it's just mm. about enjoying the race and getting mm-hmm. out there and knowing that they can do it. And yeah. when I sat down, when was first talking with Scott about, uh, you know, encouraging him to join, he was, he knew that I had a pretty aggressive time goal. And, he didn't want to come into it with that. And I kept just trying to tell him, listen, it's, it's two things. You come into it with the choice that you're going to finish 
and you train your body to run the 26 miles and you go out and you do it and it is what it is and you have mm -hmm. a great time. There's mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And then if you do want to actually have a goal or have a focus, that's when you really got to sit down and dig into the plan and, and get into the minutia of it and make that happen. But you don't right. have to get that crazy. If you just want to finish, pull up a training plan, run it basically as it says, don't mm -hmm. knock yourself out in any crazy way and go out there and do something you never thought you could do. And that's to that's move your right. body 26.2 miles that's and right. it can be done. <laughs> well, also you said, have a great time. And by great time, we mean run for four hours and change and then not be able to walk the rest of the day. <laughs> that's what we mean by a great time. It's all relative, <laughs> but it's true. It, 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 it really, at the end of it, you, you're going to be blown up because, the, I mean, you did. Even if you didn't do it in four hours, if you did it six or seven hours, that's even harder work. That's even even more effort to actually continue to put yourself out there for that long that's of a time. Right. So I, that's I right. just encourage everyone to find out what they have in them and how they have it. And if you catch the bug and decide, oh, shit, I want to do this again even faster like I did, mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Chalk it off and say, I'm never doing that stupid-ass thing again. Like my sister did when she ran a half marathon. Yeah. Great. Yeah, absolutely. You you learn a lot about yourself, and um, and I think that's that's always helpful, right? You 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 can kind of see yourself in the rawest form, your ugliest form, your most whatever, and and you can just really see what's what you're made of, and and I think people that really want to. Um, improve and just learn and continue to develop will continue to put that um, test to themselves and it's not a judgment it's just it's just for me a way to kind of keep tabs in terms of where my my life motivation is and it's like if I'm not wanting to continue to process and continue to challenge myself and learn then I'm really going to be questioning you know my life that type of thing and i'm fortunate because i uh i know that's really what my i want to be focused on here for the next whatever how many or more years i have to live you know i want to be able to to have that type of mindset and and i just love how run, running is just a reminder of that mindset well that's a great message to actually end on we don't want to keep you forever <laughs> but i can't thank you enough for oh. all of the words of wisdom and the oh. inspiration that you've shared with everybody. Um, and uh, can't wait to uh, maybe run with you at Huntington Beach. Yeah. And um, it, it's been a pleasure. It has been an absolute pleasure. Leanne is definitely an inspiration uh, for all of us to keep out there and get running. And I'm sure she's going to make it to 100. She's, got, she's on a mission. Oh, she's going to make it to 100, that's for sure. And she's also going to get all those medals for the Abbots. I have, I have no doubt about that. What I want to say about this conversation is just how personal it felt. And I don't mean because she was really sharing so many things with her, but because it was my story in a lot of different ways. And I think a, a lot of people's stories out there, which is coming to this realization at a time when you're thinking, wow, I'm, I'm kind of past when I should be a runner. No, you're not. No, you're not. And, and you don't have to go out there and think, well, in order to be a runner, I got to do this. No, you don't. Everything about her process was about utilizing running because it meant something for her personally. And it wasn't until she'd gotten through some 
really difficult times where she connected with somebody that for that reason motivated her in a new way. And now she's where she's at. But she didn't start off thinking, I'm going to go out there and start qualifying for an Abbott's medal. It's, it progressed into that. And that's her journey and great. And for every one of you out there listening, just go and do your journey. And that's what's really key. You know, we've mentioned this before is that a lot of people that are thinking about getting into running or just starting, they think they're being judged exactly. by the other people out there, how fast or slow they are. And nobody gives a shit about your time. The only thing other runners want is for you to show up and run with us. That's all we want. Like we just want other people to show up and do their best and get out there and move. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Old Crazy Runners. Take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and tell all your friends how much you love listening in. And be sure to go by Strava and join the Old Crazy Runners Podcast Run Club because that's where all us old crazies hang out and that's where we encourage each other to keep getting out there, keep putting in the miles, and keep being old crazy runners. <laughs>